The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What is good, everybody? I am not Rob Statsgrera. I am RJ Ochoa. He is Brandon Lee Gowden, a.k.a. BLG. This is the Oddcast. Stats is off for the day, so I am sitting in. You already heard me on Monday, Football Monday, the superior show here on the SB Nation NFL Show. Make sure you subscribe to the SB Nation NFL Show. Leave a rating, ride review. BLG, what up? RJ, the NFL schedule is coming out this week, finally. Uh, nice to have that here with us. You know, we, it's not like we already know all the games that are going to be played it's just we get to see the times and the dates so in honor of that rj uh having you well first of all thank you for filling in for rob uh clutch performance by you not always you know a thing to be said about things related to the cowboys clutch performance but uh have a schedule of our own that we're making like a master schedule and in, in preview of this year's nfl schedule see we could do a list like the games with the most juice and like do a top 10 or something like that but i feel like everyone's doing that or can do that I want to do something unique. We actually made, you and I together, collaborated on a 17-game schedule with one game each week, like different opponents, a master list of trying to make like the very ideal schedule, like the best schedule that we could possibly make with some rules, of course, like maximum of only two. Like We can only use a certain team twice and uh, try to lean away from doing too many divisional games, although they're in there, and try to alternate between AFC and NFC. So... I think it turned out to be good. Why don't we get into it? Yeah, so I just want to say BLG did a lot of the heavy lifting here. I couldn't come in and just like do the whole thing. So I let BLG kind of take the lead here. Um, But the way I viewed this BLG, this particular exercise was if you were like an NFL fan, like you had no particular team, you're just you're Rob Lowe with the NFL. (laughs) And you um, you you can only limit yourself to one game per week. This is it. Like if we had to design a schedule for you, uh, this would be that. So uh, 17 games. I assume all of these games will be played on some level of prime time. So BLG, week one, who do you have? I mean, the Bucks are obviously going to be in play. And I wanted to try the, to base this on somewhat of realism too. And we know, you know, the Bucks are going to be uh, having a much anticipated week one home opener. And this team that they're playing, RJ, actually is rumored to be a possibility for their week one opponent. It's the Dallas Cowboys. Now, in parentheses, next to this game, you know, kind of trying to have a theme for each game. It's the overhyped teams. It's the teams that are, you know, getting way too much hype coming into the year. I just figure, why not start off the season with the Cowboys lost? I mean, personally, I'd love to see it. Um, how would you feel? Because it, since it is like a realistic thing, how would you feel potentially about the Cowboys starting the season 
against the Super Bowl champs. So I actually wrote about this on Monday at Blogging the Boys. Um, almost a thousand words. And I think you would agree. If, if you've got a thousand words to say about something, you know, you've got a lot going on in this particular subject. I love the making of the NFL schedule and I love all the nitty gritty details. I don't think, have the Eagles ever played the opener BLG like at all? After they won the Super Bowl. Well, right, 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 right. But like as the, as the, as the non Super Bowl winning team, have they ever done it? I can't say off the top of my head. I remember when they did. Right. Okay. So the Cowboys did, you'll, if you'll recall in 2012, uh, right after the New York Giants on Super Bowl 46. That game was actually played on Wednesday as opposed to Thursday because of the Democratic National Convention. And so um, the Cowboys beat the Giants, and so they have some familiarity with it. That was the uh, Jason Witten spleen situation, if you remember that off the top of your head. If we're talking about realism, I truly don't think this is going to happen for the mm. reason that the Cowboys already get generally two Thursday games a year. They play on Thanksgiving every day, which I know is a subject of much consternation at Bleeding Green Nation. For the most part, the NFL gives the Cowboys a Thursday game the week after. So they play on Thanksgiving and then seven days later. And so they do ultimately get the mini buy that every team who plays on Thursday gets. If they played it on Thursday in week one, they would get too many buys on top of their own actual buy. And so I don't think that the NFL would be fine with giving them this because the Buccaneers are already going to be in that situation where they're going to get too many buys just by virtue of being the reigning Super Bowl champions. I would rather play Tom Brady earlier than later, I suppose, hmm. uh, and the Bucs and this you know team that may or may not you know pick up right where they left off. I'd rather get them earlier than later. The Cowboys and Buccaneers have had some interestingly you know legitimate games, I guess. Uh, they played on primetime in 2011 back um, on a Saturday night as well. Their game against them in 2016 was actually flexed into Sunday night because the Bucks were a would-be playoff team. They would not make the playoffs. That was the Zeke Elliott jump in the Kettle game. And then in 2018, the Cowboys beat the Buccaneers to win the NFC East. And so uh, there is some juice there. Like, there's some, some juice of this history. We didn't even mention this is Dak Prescott coming back. And so in that sense, I always I, – I hate when the NFL, like when they've given us like Patriots, Steelers, whatever, in, in this slot – because everyone's going to watch this no matter what. Like, we've been wandering through the offseason desert. You don't have to give us the best possible juiciest matchup. Just, you know, give us give us a dud. Um, and I think Bill's Bucks would be great. Um, but, I mean, whatever. I'm fine with this if it's the Cowboys. And it would give you a chance to potentially rag on Bruce Arians, which obviously, you know, mm. you would love to do. You would love to get that win over him in week one. Especially um, if Mike McCarthy were to beat him. That would be just uh, an ultimate feather in my cap. <laughs> That would just totally invalidate Bruce Arians as a head coach, losing to a bad coach like Mike McCarthy. Uh, moving on to week two, I felt like we had to go to the AFC at this point, and I felt like instead of going to like a big matchup in terms of the powers of the American Football Conference, felt like we have to see the new candy, right? Like Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, number one pick, number two pick. Like, let's get that out of the way. Let's see it instantly. Let's see, well, you know, be on week one. Week two, Jaguars at the Jets. I want to see these... Two high draft picks, these new look teams, teams theoretically on the rise, even just Robert Sala versus Urban Meyer, you know, in, like coaching quarterback, interesting matchups. Uh, I feel good about it in week two teams that maybe like, you know, wouldn't be the best to have at the beginning of the season. But I think the intrigue level here is high. I agree with you. And I think, again, going back to realism, I would honest, I could legitimately see this being the, the first Thursday night game of the season. And I mean the, the Thursday night football broadcast, not the first game of the year that takes place on Thursday, because Thursday night football truly literally begins in week two. And so um, you, if you're NFL schedule makers, you want this matchup under the lights. You want it in front of a lot of people. 
And if you wait too long, just because they're rookies, not because we don't believe in them, um, and because they're new systems, new head coaches, I mean, things could you know go south quickly. Uh, so I do think this has to happen. Plus, now you have Tebow. I mean, like you have uh, like <laughs> just an enormous amount of uh, juice, you know, for lack of another word here, uh, involved here. Plus, this is also like whoever wins this game. Um, it does kind of, and this involves the Jets, but remember the, um, that was, I think, I think it was a Thursday night football game as well. The Browns Jets Thursday night game a few years ago when, when Baker broke the streak, when he came in for Gerard Taylor, like it has that, you know, it, it has that feel. I'm, I'm down with this. Who wins this game though, in your mind? I'm going to say the Jets do, because again, not mm-hmm. sold on Urban Meyer. I like Trevor, I do like Trevor Lawrence more than Zach Wilson. So it's kind of tough, but, um, and also the Jets are home in this scenario. I think this is the perfect way to get teams that don't belong in primetime, really, like in primetime, because it's it's just on their own, you know, Jets versus whoever, not interesting. Jaguars versus whoever, not interesting. Put them together, interesting matchup. Um, so interesting one to have there in week two. Going on to week three, another kind of off-season related matchup. It's the Lions at the Rams. Now, I feel like this might lose some people because it's like the Lions, really, this is the one game you're going to give us this week if we can only watch one game. The Detroit Lions, who some people think could be one of the worst teams in the league. I'll have my own NFL offseason power rankings coming up soon here for the oddcasts we like to do. But I was looking at Shil Kapadius, uh, friend of the SB Nation NFL show, and he had the Lions number 31 overall in this power ranking. So Lions at Rams, though, I mean, how could we not want to see the golf versus Stafford matchup? Because, I mean, maybe it's a situation where the Rams come in and they just beat the crap out of the Lions. Entirely possible. But for the scenario that exists that, like, the Lions actually win the game, like, I feel like that's, like, all the pressure is on the Rams in this game. So it's interesting to see, like, will they actually live up to it? It's almost, it's like, a, it's a really bad spot to be if you're the Rams. Because if you win, it's what you were expected to do. You don't get any extra credit for that. And if you lose, you look terrible because it feels like, oh, they lost the trade. And then it just, you know, they lost the game as well. The Lions are absolutely winning this game. Whenever this ultimately really does happen, they are 100% winning this game. And Jared Goff will look flawless. Like, this this will be the moment of of... You know, this will be Jared Goff's finest hour in Los Angeles ever. It is strange that, you know, we're now four NFC teams in and the Lions are 25% of them. Uh, but yeah, like there are very, very few times do I really care about like a, a matchup of like old flames, right? Like it's it's very rare that that actually matters to me. But this one, because I talk a lot about how Kyle Shanahan has an enormous level of hubris and arrogance and things like that. Sean McVay does as well. And so, like, that's who I think ultimately, you know, is is carrying the water here. And ultimately, if because that that was the thing, right? Like, oh, Jared Goff isn't Sean McVay can't win with Jared Goff, blah, blah. And so if Sean McVay loses to Jared Goff. I know that you I'm not saying you think Sean McVay is a fraud, but you and I are simpatico and that we don't understand how this hype got this high and, you know, in, in this unjustified way. Um, so in a weird sense, I'm kind of rooting for Jared Goff to take down the Rams. And so um, I think that that does happen. But this this is a sneaky, juicy game. The Rams are mean to Jared Goff on the way out, right? Like for a guy that, you know, obviously has his limitations. And I think they made the right move to move on from him. But they still are kind of mean about it, right? Like they, they're like basically like, yeah, you know, he's not any good. And uh, like they didn't like hide it at all. And, you know, again, this is a guy who they had success with. They went to a Super Bowl with. And it's just kind of funny like that they had like really no respect for him on his way out the door. And uh, so, yeah, definitely golf revenge and go. Also, I think the Lions early in the year could kind of be like a sneaky team because 
I think you have that new coaching staff energy. You have Dan Campbell uh, biting people's kneecaps. Like, I think that could work, especially early on in the year. Like, this team comes strong out the gate. Maybe they kind of fizzle because of how that goes when you have the rah-rah coach or anything. But I feel like maybe they could just be, you know, they'll have that initial burst right out of the gate, and that'll be kind of their, their signature game of the season. At least they'll have that to look forward to. Yeah, and um, we're from Detroit, the three one three. Like we work with our hands, you know. Like, like I, there's uh, there's something about like L.A. that Dan Campbell is going to want a piece of, and so it'll be cool. I like that too. Number four, one of my favorites on this list that I made: Chargers at the Chiefs. This is Justin Herbert rising. This is Pete Sweeney realizing <laughs> that for as good as Patrick Mahomes is, and he's amazing. There's also a very, very good quarterback in that division who thrived behind a very bad offensive line last year, and that has since been fixed uh, for the Chargers this offseason. We saw Justin Herbert almost come in and beat the Chiefs, took him to overtime last year in, what, week two, when Tyrod Taylor is like having a, a lung punctured right before the game, and Herbert is coming in with no offseason, no real experience, and he takes the Chiefs to the limit as a rookie in week two. I mean, now you give him a full offseason, offensive line is fixed, I mean, this is this is where the Chargers really start to make their case and show they're for real and in Arrowhead, too. I like that a lot, and I certainly believe in that. But I will say, because if the whole week leading up to this game, it's going to like how many the, the the like super sexy pick, not even super like I don't even know the incredibly obvious pick is going to be everyone picking the Chargers, everyone laying out the logic we just did, right? Like, watch out. Here he comes. And then the like the Chiefs will just go blow them out, right? Like 30 to six, like. I could very much see that being the case. And, and I mean, I can't imagine the Monday football Monday with Pete right after that. But I mean, like I could, I could see, you know, the, the chiefs are not, not necessarily like a, a petty team, but the chiefs like to make their, their statements and make their cases when, when applicable. And so I do think that there is this like, okay, everyone thinks that Justin Herbert's the man now in the AFC West. Let's, let's kind of temper, you know, everybody's expectations for him. And let's, let's kind of go, you know, so my point is like, I could honestly see this, like the, the first, I think that they split their series ultimately, but I think the first matchup, which in, in this case is this one right now is going to be really hyped up as this is Justin Herbert's announcement that he is going to contend with Patrick Mahomes. And then the chiefs just come, you know, completely dominate them and end that argument for a little while. I disagree. I'm going to say the Chargers <laughs> sweep the Chiefs this year. I've, I've said before, they're, they're winning the AFC West. They absolutely are. I mean, I know that Mahomes is amazing. I know the Chiefs have spent time and resources fixing that offensive line. I just think the Chargers, it's been so much, oh, this is finally their year. And then it never is because they're the Chargers. This is it. This for real is the time of the Chargers ascension. And this game that I have here. Is uh is going to mark that? It's going to show like the Chargers are for real. They're now a actual an actual power in the AFC, not just kind of a cute team. I feel good about it. I have a lot of faith and confidence in the Chargers. Not saying I disagree. I'm just you know sure you are. I, no, I'm not. I think the Chargers are going to. I said on Monday Football Monday with Pete that I think that the Chiefs have had one of the worst off seasons in the NFL in terms of things outside of their control, and a lot of that has to do with a team that isn't even the Chargers, but. Justin Herbert, of any particular individual, stats and I have said this before, has had the best offseason in the NFL, has a brand new center, yes. has a brand new tackle. I mean, like things have really gone Justin Herbert's way. But I also think, I mean, we we spend so much time talking about like, oh, he was the best. You know, he was so awesome with the worst offensive line in the NFL last season, blah, blah. Like, you know this, you know, better than anyone. Like 
the offensive line isn't always like bad because the offensive line is bad. Like sacks are a quarterback stat. I mean, so like for all we know, Justin Herbert is Russell Wilson and that he invites mm. pressure and things like that. So I'm I'm not, you know, I'm just like I'm I'm hedging. That's all I'm doing. I'm I'm hedging our expectations because we're get we're allowing our Justin Herbert love to get really, really, really far out there. Had Doug Peterson taken over the Chargers, I'd be completely with you all the way, all the way in. But I'm just just saying like Let's let's not go all the way there. Let's get like sixty percent of the way there. That's that's my point. I'm all in. That's the only way you <laughs> win big is you go all in. Flipping back to the NFC, because you know, kind of AFC NFC flip here. Going to a game which is really kind of it's lame. a tough one. It's like it's lame. You 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 didn't want this to be on here, but here's why I kept it on here. Packers at Saints. Now, mm. kind of tipping our hand, I guess, a little bit here for what we'll predict later in the show, but I'm guessing. Aaron Rodgers isn't going to be on the Packers, even though I guess what we saw something from Ian Rappaport yesterday that like they're still talk- like Rodgers is still talking with the Packers about contract, whatever. Show me when it's done and then I'll believe it. So I'm assuming it's going to be the Jordan Love Packers. And I feel like for this activity, I can't not have like I want to see Jordan. Don't we all want to see Jordan Love? Aren't we like curious to see? I mean, not as much as we'd like to see the Packers with Aaron Rodgers, obviously, but like, aren't we curious how big the drop off is? Because this is a team, you know, that's gone 13-3, what, the past two years? Like, are they going to be an 8-8 eight eight team now? Are they going to be one of the worst teams in the league? Like, I'm curious to see what it looks like. And I feel like it's fair to put them against a team that has also been really good, had really good re- regular season records and whatnot, but they lost their starting quarterback in Drew Brees. And I think, like, what are the Saints going to look like this year? Are they going to be any good with Jameis Winston? And Taysom Hill, can Sean Payton actually make that work somehow? Maybe not. Again, obviously not looking at a 13-win team, but playoff team, 8-8 eight eight team, we'll see. Or I keep saying 8-8. Eight eight. Not a real record anymore. 8-9, 9-8, 8-8-1, eight eight, eight eight whatever. Sorry. Uh, so so that's the reason to me. I think like this is a winnable game for each side, which I think is important for this matchup. I, I know it doesn't maybe look amazing to you, but there's something about it. I wanted to get the Packers in here. Here's the thing. And I wanted to get the Saints in here. And I felt like this is the only way I could do it that made sense. I don't disagree that we need to see Jordan Love, that we need to see the Saints, but this is the like this is the beginning of the end teams, right? Like this is the beginning of we won't see you much on primetime for a while, teams. Right. Like that's because that's gonna be the case for both Green Bay and New Orleans. And I think that that's you know, New Orleans has been trending in that direction, even with Drew Brees. Not that he lacks juice himself, but I mean just in terms of the quality of their team. This this to me, this is really the, the nicest thing I can say about this potential match at PLG. Packers at Saints. It's in the Superdome, obviously. This feels like a Monday night football game, right? Where we where we've had like an amazing Sunday before, and we're all kind of still living off of that. And like, you know, like, you know, what we do, like sometimes you're working on Monday, working, 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 and you're like, oh crap, it's time for a Monday night football. Like I didn't even make dinner or anything. And you just you pick up something, you order something, whatever. And like the most notable thing to happen in this particular Monday night football game will be that there will be like a trailer for the new Star Wars movie. You know what I mean? Like that's that's it. Like that's that's what this game is to me. It's a like you know how sometimes I don't know if you're a ranch or blue cheese person, PLG, but you're probably a blue cheese because you generally land on the wrong side of things. But ranch dressing is the superior condiment, as I've said many times. Sometimes I don't eat food because I like it. I eat food because it is a vehicle to get ranch dressing into my mouth. And that's what this game is. Like this game is a vehicle to give me like something else. Uh the answer for me is both. You gotta have both. <laughs> you need both. Like you have to have both options there. And uh, new Star Wars movie. Is there going to be another new Star? Are you breaking news on the no. NFL show? Maybe it's not that, but maybe it's like, you know, it's like a Marvel thing. 
you know, mm. blah, blah, blah. Like, I mean, that's, I that's what I'm saying. Like, and, and because again, it, it, this will be on Monday Night Football and ESPN property and ABC property, Disney, all the, you know, symmetry and everything. Like, you, you know how that is. Like, at halftime, you know, it used to be like Mike Tirico, like, you know, here's the new trailer, blah, blah. And then Twitter is all the buzz. Like, that will be at, at like at the halftime where this game's going to be like nine to six. It will be incredibly boring. So I have a kind of early-ish, but not too early, week five here in part two, because this could be like a must-win game. You know, like one of those early season, quote-unquote, must-win games where like the teams kind of aren't starting out so hot and they kind of need this win to kind of keep some kind of positive momentum going. So I think I like the placement of it. Uh, I did it, so of course I would. Moving on, though, to the AFC again. It's an AFC wildcard rematch, a game that I felt like the Colts kind of played better in, right? I think a lot of people could say that. Like they kind of outplayed the Bills. Uh, I was happy to see the Bills win because I wanted the Bills to win that game. But uh, it's Colts at Bills. It's a rematch of that playoff game. I feel like uh, really interested to see. I mean, you have to have the Colts in here as well. You have to see what Carson Wentz looks like. And by the way, I you know I talked about how the following up from last week's show where I named the Colts losers, and I, I mentioned they would potentially sign Eric Fisher because of the Chris Ballard connection. Sure enough, they did. I mean, it's still kind of a weird signing to me because like they're saying like he might not even be ready till October or whatever. Which I've seen spun as, oh well, the you know the, the Colts are in it for the long run anyway. But sh- okay, sure, but like it's still a left tackle coming off a major injury, and you might not have him for a month. Like it's still a red flag when you have Carson Wentz, who I believe uh, stats mentioned on today's uh, NFL kickoff was that 59 fumbles in 69 career games, so not great. So so we'll see how that goes. How are you feeling about this one? Because we obviously know you love the Bills, RJ. Yeah, the Bills are my AFC squad. Uh, shout out to the Mafia. I, I like this. Like this is this is the time where like a team starts to really like sometimes teams go four and oh, five and oh, but like once you hit week six is where they start to kind of really figure out who they're gonna be for the season or for, for the meat of it at least. And so I think this is the Bills really starting their not defense, not like they have anything to de- to defend. They didn't win anything last year except for the AFC East, but um this is an announcement. And I think this is the game that maybe breaks the Carson Wentz narrative. And so like the, mm-hmm. the Monday after this is all the like, you've got to bench him. Like you've got to, you got to bench him because you can't, <laughs> you know, you don't want to give For up who? that first round pick. <laughs> no, but like, that, that's the thing. Like you, at that point it becomes protecting the future first round pick. And so, I mean, I, but I do think you have to see it. I do like, you know, playoff games that are replayed the following year. You're right. The Colts, a lot of people think should have won that game. And so Frank Reich was a coward. We called him out for this, uh, you know, in that game. And so maybe he's a little bit more aggressive. Uh, but I, I also love primetime games in Buffalo. So I really am excited about this prospect in general. But yeah, this is uh, this is the downward turn for Carson Wentz, unfortunately. Whenever this game happens, like because this will be the battle of the small schools. We'll hear that forever. Not that Wyoming is a small school, but it will be viewed that way by the people who are like hyping this game up and it'll be gassed up that way. Go Bills. They're going to win this game like 41 to 8. Kind of like a similar mold of quarterback, right? Not just small right. school quarterbacks, but like this big guy is really athletic and everyone loves the talent. Both have accuracy issues, or at least you know Josh Allen did until last year when he really improved in that regard. Uh, on Carson Wentz, in addition to the fumbles that I mentioned, uh, I'm sure you saw this, RJ, or maybe you didn't, but I'll say it here in case you didn't. Not only did Carson Wentz lead the NFL in you know interceptions last year, or co-lead with Drew Locke, but led the league in adjusted interceptions, which is a metric by football outsiders that shows, you know, like dropped interceptions. And also, in fairness, it takes out things like interceptions on Hail Marys because, you know, who cares? Even with that, and Carson Wentz did have like a Hail Mary interception last year, like, Carson Wentz, for as bad as he was, he was really even worse because he had like dropped interceptions. So that's just crazy to think about for me. 
it's just I, I just can't believe like this is the guy. Like this is the guy the Colts are going all in on. Like this is going to be their dude. Uh, you said it. And imagine them getting benched for two years in a row. That would be crazy and also entirely possible. But like you said, the Colts have to protect that first round pick at some point. Like they have to. That, that's a really interesting equation. Like how often does that happen in the season where you're like looking at things go and are like, well, we're just going to let them play through it because there's you know why not? There's no stakes, but there's a stake here. There's a significant stake, and you might not you might need that first round pick if you're the Colts to get your new quarterback to move on from Carson Wentz. So that's a really interesting dynamic to like to watch throughout the season. I do also think Carson now has. I mean, and this is maybe unfair to him, just or not unfair, it's just unfortunate for him specifically in that he has a very, very well-known backup quarterback. And not that Sam Ellinger, who, by the way, our thoughts and prayers are with um, after the news about his brother last week. Like, he, he's a very high-profile quarterback behind him that, that people haven't seen at the NFL level. And again, you know better than anybody. Like, last year, it's like, get Jalen Hurts, get Jalen. Because every, every, like average college football fan knew who Jalen Hurts was. And similarly, every average college football fan knows who Sam Ellinger is, comes from a program that a lot of people, you know, root for, albeit, you know, incorrectly. That that would be hilarious um, if Carson Wentz got benched and uh, he was the quarterback of the Saints in 2022. We follow up Carson Wentz with Jalen Hurts, which I heard <laughs> you talk about in uh, Monday Football Monday, predicting, what was the prediction again? Like, um, who will... We believed that the Colts have an easier path to winning the AFC South than the Eagles do the NFC East. Oh, yeah. But but a lot of that is merely about the division that surrounds them. So you know. Okay. So then Eagles at Giants is my week seven pick. I I don't even feel amazing about this because the Eagles typically own the Giants, RJ. As you all as you know, that I bring up a lot. I was actually looking, re-looking at the record because the Giants put, I don't know if you saw this, but the Giants put out this stupid tweet over the weekend that was like <laughs> uh, a graphic. It was like the meme of like, it's all one thing, but it's a pie chart, but it's actually, you know, it looks like it's two things because it's broken up into two sections and it's like percentage or who team we want to play in week one, Eagles. And then like team we want to play in week one, Eagles button red was the uh, the little pie chart thing they did, which is, it's just so stupid. Like this Giants outrage at the Eagles is so dumb. First of all, like calling for like so I have multiple takes on this. First of all, calling to play a team that went four eleven and one last year. Wow! Like look at you, you're really tough. Like <laughs> you're calling out the team that was the worst team in the worst division in sports. Like wow, how tough of you. Second of all, like the Eagles own the Giants again. The, going back to the last forty two games, the Eagles are thirty and twelve against the Giants. They own this team. Number three, like. Giants fans are all upset because they didn't make the playoffs last year and the Eagles tanked and also because the Eagles got Devontae Smith. Like that worked out for the Giants, kind of. Like, what why did they want to make the playoffs? So they could get the number 20 pick, get eliminated by the eventual Super Bowl champions in week one. I know the Giants haven't made the playoffs in a while. I'm sure they want to make it, but like what were they they weren't gonna make any noise in the postseason. Everyone knows that. Giants fans know that. They're not going on some run with Daniel Jones uh and the setup that they had there. So, like, I, I, it's st- stupid to me. Like, they're so, like, upset at the Eagles about this. I, it worked out for the Giants because they got the 11th pick. They, they were in a position where now they can pivot in the future. They got a f- future first-round pick because they were able to trade down. Like, this worked out for the Giants. Like, they don't need to be, like, so upset about the Eagles. Like, this is this is just so silly to me. So, we discussed this um, 
Well, with this, a really fascinating hypothetical on last week's episode of the NFC East Mixtape. By the way, this week's episode of the NFC East Mixtape will be out on Thursday in the aftermath of the NFL schedule coming out. Um, You can listen to that on the blog on the Boys and Bleeding Green Nation podcast networks. But um, again, not only did the Giants not winning the division work out for them, but the Eagles trading up with the Cowboys to get Devontae Smith worked out for them because it wiped them out. And that's what led to them being able to trade back. I mean, no disrespect to the team that actually acquired Devontae Smith. But you could make an argument that Kadarius Tony and the draft capital they gained is maybe worth it as opposed to landing Devontae Smith. You can make the argument, BLG. Anyway, it's dumb in general. However, it's a real thing. Like, it's a real storyline. So, I mean, it, it is something I do think that this game will be, you know, prime time. Plus, the, you know, they had some competitive games with each other last year uh, and Daniel Jones falling down, like, you know, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, that's that's a thing. Uh, but yeah, this, I don't know. I, the Giants, the Giants are a weird team, and and I I think that they they think that they're still really great. They they've made the playoffs about once since winning Super Bowl forty six, I think, and yeah, I, that was it. Sixteen, yeah. I mean, and they were awful. So um, yeah, congrats, Giants. I guess on 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 this. I don't know, but um, you got you got some some airtime on the podcast, which is what the Giants are always angling for. So, I mean, I put it on here just because, you know, in part, it's an NFC scheme, and we know uh, NFL schedule or NFL TV people. I mean, come on. You know that's going to be in prime time. Uh, and, you know, I had to get the Eagles on here. I had to get the Giants here somehow. Uh, let's move to the Alabama Bowl, as I'm calling it, where I feel like at this point in the season, week eight, it's very possible that Mac Jones, starting for the Patriots, and obviously Tua, unless you know something crazy happens, uh, and Jacoby Brissett comes in, but Tua Tagovailoa, Tagovailoa, sorry, will be starting for the Dolphins. So Patriots at the Dolphins. It's the Alabama rematch game. It's an important game in the AFC East. It's also Bill Belichick and Brian Flores. I know we've already seen this, but uh, it is sure. still again another subplot. It's also like people will bill it as like, oh, this is the like transferring of powers within the AFC East, and then all the Bills fans will be like, what are you talking about? Like we run the AFC East, blah blah. What do you think's more? What do you, what do you think is a higher number at this point in time? We're talking week eight at this particular point. Tua Tungavailoa turnovers or New England Patriots wins at week eight? Uh Tua turnovers. Mm. I I don't feel amazing about Tua. Although you know I'm not I'm not totally you can't I'm not saying that the, the book is written on him. You have to right. I guess it's too early to definitively say, but I'm I'm not feeling confident in him. Another thing about this game I want to mention, by the way. Dolphins have kind of uh, had the Patriots number, especially like For sure. in the season, the past two years. So you know, obviously, especially it in was Miami. The, yeah, well, it was yeah, it was the it was the so there was the Gronk game, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, where we were trying to tackle on the hill, the the hook and ladder and everything. There was the uh, Dolphins knock the Patriots out of the one seed to help the Chiefs with Ryan Fitzpatrick in Foxborough. And then last year, if I'm not mistaken, I believe it was the Dolphins who officially eliminated the Patriots from the playoffs for the first time in, you know, like forever. So I feel like the Patriots are really going to want this game, especially since they think they're back and all, although they're really not. So that's another added layer of juice to this game. I do think this, I, I don't know that I buy that Mac Jones is starting by this point in time. Like this, this could still yeah. be Cam and that could really eliminate, you know, the biggest element of juice here, which is the Alabama thing. But yeah, but I'm pumped about this, whatever it does ultimately happen. And we get it twice. Uh, last thing I'll say about this game is that it was, I believe, Jalen Waddell was asked if, if he thinks Mac Jones or Tua is better. That's and a great point. He's, he said Mac Jones. So uh, congrats on playing with Tua. 
uh, Dylan Waddle. Okay, moving on to our final game before the week 10 by is the football team at the Falcons. Now, kind of a you know an interesting matchup because it's not like not NFC powers, it's not a division rivalry, but I feel like it's two kind of similar-ish tier teams. I mean, you have a top defense with Washington versus an explosive offense. I had to get Kyle Pitts on this schedule. I, I, I had to. And I feel like, right. and I think you kind of talked about it Monday Football Monday, I mean, the Falcons could be a team that really bounces back. I think this game, even though I'm saying like Washington is a top defense, it could be a shootout though because Fitzpatrick is involved and I could just see him slaying it and I could see uh, Kyle Pitts having this huge game and I just think it'd kind of be an interesting, fun, exciting matchup between those two teams and two teams that begin with F. So there you go. Yeah, I also think that's a rare thing, but this could be like your um, man. Who was the Giants tight end? It was like an obscure Giants tight end kind of circa 2013. He had three touchdowns against Washington uh, one day. Do you know who I'm talking about? Um, uh, not not Jake Ball, uh, not Jake Ballard. Um, no, um, no. Larry Donald. Larry, Larry Donald. Donald. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, it was um, man alive. I remember this because I, I remember like just kind of joking with my dad that day, you know, because you know how fantasy is like tied into the shooting position and, you know, our league of record, we were talking about it. And I, I had a situation. So I said, I'm going to start Larry Donald tonight because this was a Thursday night game. Um, and it was September 25th, 2014. And I, I said to him, you know what? You never know. Like he could catch three touchdowns tonight. And like, sure enough, he had seven <laughs> He had seven catches for 54 yards and three touchdowns as New York beat Washington 45 to 14. This could be like a, that game for Kyle Pitts. I just, the only other thing I have to say about this, this is the worst uniform game of the season because uh, the Falcons ruined their uniforms. Washington's still kind of in, you know, that purgatory figuring things out. So not really totally their fault. Um, but yeah, this is the worst uniform clash of the season across the entire league. Now we can reach a bye, which is probably a perfect time to throw it to a break. Let's hear a word from our sponsors. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year, at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Back here on The Oddcast, Brantley Gowton, RJ Ochoa. I don't know why I just reintroduced that like we're on radio. I mean, you're listening to the podcast. You already know who we are, but uh, why not? Now, RJ, we're at a big, this is like a big problem point for me. Week 11, I have written down here on my schedule that I made Chiefs at Broncos or Packers at Chiefs. And I put in parentheses Aaron Rodgers contingent, but we can't just like be like, oh, we'll just adjust it. That's not how the NFL schedule works. The NFL schedule is being made this week. It'll come out at Wednesday at eight o'clock. Like the NFL schedule makers in a similar boat 
as us and our little fictional activity. Like they have to make a call on this, and it's a big freaking call. And also, I want to bring up this theory that I, I, it's been sitting in my head, and I want to bring it up to you. I feel like the NFL might be in a spot where they kind of have to like pressure the Packers into doing something here. And by that, I mean like actually probably trying to placate Aaron Rodgers and make him happy because. What is the selling point of the 17th game this year? It's Chiefs versus Packers. That's been brought up so many times. It's like, oh, this is why the 17th game is such this big deal and such this good thing. If that game is a dud, like like out of the gate, like before the schedule, like or, or before you know the season even starts, like I think that's a big deal. Like that loses the the juice of the 17th game, which is supposed to be you know this big new thing this year. And I feel like the NFL has like investment into and to want to get Rodgers to play for the Packers and like try to be like, Hey, you guys need to make this thing happen. We, this, we need this game to be a success. So that's just a theory I have. It kind of goes in line with the Aaron Rodgers definitely going on jeopardy to have more leverage with the Packers. I feel like Aaron Rodgers might know because he's smart that like the NFL actually might be on his side on this, but so what's our decision here? Are we going with Chiefs at Broncos because we're assuming Rodgers goes to the Broncos? Although you know the Raiders are in play too, so then that that's a whole thing. W- what are we doing? So I don't buy your theory at all because I don't think the NFL cares at this point. They've already made the 17 game bad, and everybody has to lie on it. Plus, the selling point is we'll give you Rodgers and Mahomes when you otherwise wouldn't have gotten it for several years, right? And the last time that the Chiefs and Packers faced off, which was a primetime game. Patrick Mahomes was hurt, so we didn't even get to see that. We obviously didn't even get to see it in the Super Bowl this past year, which a lot of people were rooting for. And so the NFLs, I think if they're leaning one way, it's, hey, Packers, send him to Denver because that way we can get this twice a year. Maybe we could even get it a third time a year if they meet somehow in the playoffs. Plus, I mean, like, I'm a big believer that you have to get certain venues on primetime. Mile high is gorgeous at night. I mean, just perfect. And this is this is one of those games like the Broncos. I'm, I'm obviously a uniform guy. Will wear the all navy getups. You know what I'm saying? Like they, they they switch it up sometimes. They go all navy. And like this is that. This is the like Aaron Rodgers. This is why he came here to to announce to to say. You know, people say like, oh, Tom Brady left because he wanted a new challenge. He got so sick of winning in the AFCs, whatever. This is why Aaron Rodgers left. He wanted the challenge. He's so smart. He really, His brain was bored. He wanted to come beat Patrick Mahomes in the AFC West. And you talk about like Justin Herbert taking down the Chiefs. This is the like, boom. And it will suck because Aaron Rodgers is going to like completely get his way and be proven right. But he will destroy the Chiefs and it will be amazing television. And so I think this is Chiefs at Broncos and I feel really good about it. Okay, that's what we'll go with. We'll say it's Chiefs at Broncos officially. I mean, I'm just thinking about a division with, you know, some of the best quarterbacks in the league. I mean, Justin Herbert, number one, obviously. Patrick Mahomes, number two. Uh, and then Aaron Rodgers, number three. There you go. And then uh, Derek Carr. Wow, what a well, it's loaded division. Very reminiscent of the NFC South a few years ago, like kind of four to five years ago when Cam was still at the height of his powers. Matt Ryan, you know, they had back-to-back MVP seasons while Drew Brees was Drew Brees, and then you had Jameis. You know what I mean? So um, very similar to that in my mind. Let's go to week 12 where, uh, you know, Stats not here with us today, but I'm sure he's listening to this. I'm, I'm definitely 100% sure he's listening to this replay, and then we'll, we'll comment on this. 49ers, who apparently are winning the Super Bowl this year, according well, to the BLG, wait. This is Thanksgiving, by the way. Just just to you know, put everybody in the right mood. Right. Yes. And thankfully, finally, the NFL has decided not to put the Cowboys on Thanksgiving because who wants to see you. that? And we have 49ers at the Bears. It's Trey Lance versus Justin Fields. It's the quarterback that I feel like a lot of 49ers fans wanted San Francisco to take versus quarterback that they actually did take in Trey Lance. 
and it's a big matchup. It's I think at this point in the year, both of these quarterbacks, Trey Lance and Justin Fields, will both be starting. Andy Dalton and Jimmy G will be a thing of the past. Uh, I think I am with uh, was it you or Pete who said like you're taking way under on the the Peter King uh, both, Jimmy G starts? Did, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, what are we talking about there? So yeah, I think it, this matchup has a lot of juice. You know, we did the Lawrence versus Wilson thing earlier. And now we're getting to the Lance versus Fields thing. I'm very excited for this game whenever it happens. I feel like uh, Stats and I love to talk about like rivalries within the NFL that aren't division rivalries. 49ers-Bears kind of you know has lost some of its oomph over time. I would love to see this sort of return to being a legitimate thing. Um, again, I also think you got to get Soldier Field in there. Like, And Soldier Field has this like – and I love, by the way, they're calling it Soldier Fields. Like, It's just a, a perfect situation. Uh, but, it's uh, it's it's, horrible. It's amazing. But like on Thanksgiving night – and I mean, I, I talk about how teams have like these weird cosmic connections with one another. Uh, former Bears quarterback, but former Broncos quarterback, Jay Cutler, I believe, made his first start ever on Thanksgiving night against another team wearing red in the Kansas City Chiefs back in 2006. This, how do you know that? And what does that have to do with anything? I remember that. I very vividly remember that day. It was awesome. But I just I also think I think the Bears win this game. And I think this like. Kyle Shanahan losing on Thanksgiving night would go a long way to like the conversations that happen late November, early December. Maybe the 49ers are kind of like teetering on the edge at this point. Like maybe they're, you know, just around 500. Maybe this, this loss puts them below 500 and stats has a freak out. And it will be awesome to talk about here on the podcast and the look ahead. Maybe this is just me my letting my personal bias influence the schedule. But this is like the Rams earlier where like they're in a really bad spot against the Lions. It's either like they win oh, or they yeah. do what they're expected to do. Well, this is like the 49ers are in a terrible spot here. Because it's either like they win, you were supposed to do that. You know, you this is you took Trey Lance and that was your guy. Like you said he was the better guy. So then yeah. if you lose to Justin Fields, you look really bad if that happens. This, um, this has so. the potential, even if they lose, to, to blast against them in that sense. Kind of like, not that this was worked against them, but like like the Deshaun game against Seattle, his rookie year. Remember, like at the time, the Legion of Boom was still kind of like a thing, you know, or like on, on their final wheels. And so, I mean, but even though te- the Texans lost that game, it was like, holy crap, they found their dude. And again, there's a lot of questions about that um, that aren't even football related. But the point is, like, even if the Bears lose, if Justin Fields looks awesome, and Trey Lance is just so so because that mm-hmm. that will be like the thing all over Niners Nation. Like, if why do we draft Trey Lance just barely to win efficiently? We could have kept Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, this was not the point. And I think, in fairness, uh, a realistic situation could play out like that, where it's not even necessarily the 49ers made the wrong pick because I think Trey Lance just might need some more time. You know, to mm-hmm. develop. he's younger. This is an experience as Justin Fields. So I think you know Justin Fields could be better out the gate. Uh, just a follow up on my Justin Fields thing from last week, by the way. I'm not saying he's like this automatic bust, you know, because I got a lot of heat from Bears fans. Oh, no, the Bears have never had a good quarterback, so Justin Fields can't be good. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying let's raise some questions here about why he fell, as I just a, a saying, oh, he fell, and the Bears are geniuses, and everyone else is stupid. That's my argument against that. Anyway, putting that aside, going back to the AFC, RJ, week 13, going to a Browns at Steelers rematch. Felt weird about putting the Steelers in here because I don't really know what to expect from them. But I figured this could be potentially a passing the torch moment in the AFC North. I mean, we already kind of saw that the Browns ousting the Steelers in the playoffs last year, but this would be like the repeat of that and like confirming, like, okay, like this is putting the stamp on it. Like it's official. The Browns are now officially ahead of the Steelers. Yeah, this is the doubling down. And this is 
this is maybe the last start for Ben Roethlisberger. Like that's how I view it. Wow. Like maybe like, and because I think we're talking, this is what week 13. Um, so mm-hmm. 11 games have been played. Let's say the Steelers are like five and six. Right. And the whole, the whole week has been like all the people at behind the steel curtain are like, okay, all we got to do is win this game or this game, you know, like Cleveland's got to lose this game. Baltimore's got to lose this game, blah, blah. You know, this is how we get in. I think like losing this game, say it does drop them to five and seven that then like you get the shut it down. You know what I'm saying? Like you get the the injuries that pop up out of nowhere for all these guys. Like, yeah, you know, uh, he's going to be inactive this week. You know, we're going to be starting, you know, Mason Rudolph. And it's going to be like, what? It's like, this is the end. And then you like, that's the worst part is like a fan when you have to just like live through the end of the season and just like watch it. And then you can't even start the rebuild until the offseason begins. Uh, but yeah, I think the Browns, th- this is like, it's hard to, like you said, it's hard to call like an announcement. This is just like the kicking the Steelers when they're down moment. And uh, I think, I don't think Browns fans are going to feel bad about kicking the Steelers of all teams when they're down just because they've been kicked a lot. Uh, so yeah, Cleveland, good for you. Pittsburgh, you had a nice run. Let's move back to the NFC. We're going to Cardinals at Vikings. Now, uh, again, kind of a, a, a weird one. Yeah, I know you're not going to love it, mm-hmm. but it's like two NFC teams that are both kind of in that same tier again. Looking to make a leap. I mean, we want to see if the Cardinals are for real, right? Like, I had to put them on the schedule here. We want to, because they, they get JJ Watt. They feel like Kyler Murray's going to make this leap. They get AJ Green, although I don't really think that's a great pickup, but the Cardinals feel like they're trying to say, like, we're all in this year. Or, you know, like, this is the year we actually make the leap. And now we're an NFC power. And I think for the Vikings, you know, this is a, it's a big year for them in terms of proving, like, last year the defense was so bad and it was kind of a fluke. We're going to get that back on track. Uh, the offense is going to be stable. So Justin Jefferson here, mm-hmm. Kirk Cousins will ultimately limit us in the playoffs, but he can win in the regular season again, unless it's not a good team. Because he usually just beats up on the bad teams. So are the Cardinals good or not? That kind of depends here. Uh, it seems like you don't like this one. Yeah, this game doesn't interest me at all. I have a Vikings take that I'm saving for the time that it's appropriate here. But the only thing that I can guarantee about this is that in his weekly, you know, sessions with the media that J.J. Watt will say some derivative of like, yeah, you know, it's been crazy playing all these NFC teams, you know, like these teams I'm not used to playing, you know, like it's just wild. Like, you know, I, I'd only played the Vikings two times in my career. You know, this is just I'm I'm really enjoying because the Cardinals are going to be floundering. Let's be honest, which disappoints me because I want to see Kyler Murray be great. Um, but he's going to like he's J.J.'s going to spin it that way. Like this has just been such a great season for me to, you know. I'm I'm such a huge fan of the NFL, blah blah, and like now I get to see all these venues, blah blah. It's just like okay, that's fine, but uh, yeah, that's that's all I have to say here. I, that, this this game will be so boring to me. It will still be football, and at this point, I would I would give anything to watch Cardinals Vikings right now. Do you think both of these teams are above 500 at this point in Week 14? No, but I think the I Vikings agree. to kind of give away. I think the Vikings are like a game below. And I think that, okay. or maybe maybe they lose this game to drop below 500. But with Aaron Rodgers out of the AFC, NFC North, which we've established already, the Vikings will not be out of contention. And this this causes a switch, which I'll address come week 18. All right, so moving on to week 15, flipping back to, well, not oh, it's AFC versus NFC. It's the Titans at the Seahawks. This is a game you brought up specifically and you wanted to bring in here. Why is that the case? So the Titans have been really impressive with how they've gone about things over the last couple of years, but it does feel like the wheels are falling off a little bit. Um, and I, I mean, at a certain point, that style of football is not going to sustain itself long term. The Seahawks, man alive, uh, this this could be the like, you know, there's like a chant. This game is in Seattle. Like we could get like a moment where it's like, let Russ go type thing. Um, and so th- this is the like, 
this is the battle for the last life, right? Like this is the your two players in Mario. There's one life floating around. You both only have one life left, and you know you still have a lot of the level to go. And you're like, I need this life. Like for for me to be able to finish this level, I have to get this. And I think that will be the situation for both teams. Uh, not that I think Mike Vrabel's on the hot seat or anything, but I just think the like culture of the Titans because. Like, while Ryan Tannehill has been nice, like, are we really that far away from the Titans needing a new quarterback? I think we're closer than most people realize. And so, I mean, this this could be that moment, and this could be, like, a win here could go a long way in the sales of either of these teams. Yeah, I don't – like, do the Titans have a lot of juice coming into this year? Not really, right? I mean, like, it was kind of exciting to see them last year because it's like, oh, you know – Tannehill with a full offseason, you know, being the starter, it's like it's a new thing. Uh, and I like Vabral, and I think Tannehill is good, but I just like this Titans team kind of feels like they top out at a certain point and they're not actually, you know, in, they're not with the big boys. They're not with the Chiefs and with the Chargers who will be, you know, a new AFC power and the Bills. Like they're, they're not, they're almost there. They're like, they're knocking on the doorstep there. You can't knock on the doorstep. You're knocking on the door. You're at the doorstep. Whatever. They're not even knocking. Uh, they're like ringing the door, like it, the doorbell. You know what I mean? Okay. Like it's it's like again, like but the, the door's the, not opening. I know, but the Titans are a team that like they 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 throw a great first punch, but then the other team gets up, right? Like think about the Ravens last year, right? Like they had this like sneaky, you know, little rivalry, and it's like, oh yeah, we're we're the big brother now. And the Ravens are like, no, 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 we went back, we did our homework, and we figured things out, and now we're here, and we're gonna punch you in the mouth, and you're gonna stay down. And that's the thing, like even against the Chiefs, like, you know what I mean? Like two years ago, it was like. Ooh, haha, we got our win. You know, we're awesome. Look at us. We're contenders. And then the Chiefs like squashed them. And so, like, that's that's who they are. They they land a great first punch, but then, you know, it's against a bigger person and they ultimately lose. So the Seahawks lose this game, and Pete Carroll is like, This is why we have to run the ball more. Because Derek Henry has like what, like over two hundred yards and the, the Titans just ground it all game long. And then Pete Carroll tries to trade for Derrick Henry in the offseason, uh, just rust for Derrick Henry straight up. Right. incredibly ill-advised trade um so there you go going back to the nfc one or no it's another interconference matchup sorry a, a nfc at afc it's a matchup that obviously had to be on the schedule i think anyone would say it is the buccaneers who we saw in week one so i wanted to spread this out a little bit putting them towards the end of the year now at the patriots it's tom brady versus bill belichick i mean you knew this was going to be here yeah i mean there's not much we could say here besides the obvious. Um, it will be epic, but I bet you the game ends up being super boring. Like, not that one team blows the other out, but it's like a 17 to 15 win or like, you know, 24 to 21 win. Like, I don't think it's this like super chess match, but, um, it, it will, it's, it's a necessary thing. We have, we have to live this out. We have to experience Brady versus Belichick. I do think that Mac Jones will be starting for this game if it is this late, presumably. But so in that sense, like it will be turned into Mac versus Brady. Like, is this the guy? Like, blah, blah, blah. And but yeah, I think the Bucks win handily. And then this debate is over for another year. Who wants it more? Who wants this one uh, more? Brady or Belichick? I think Brady, because I think I think Brady's, Brady. I think Brady's not that I think he's driven by pettiness, but I think that pettiness is is a factor for him. I don't think Bill Belichick cares about crap like this. He just is that good. Um, so maybe that makes him better. But I mean, like Brady has like it's you talked about it, like Brady has more to lose now, right? Like Brady already won the Super Bowl without him. So it's like you you've already proven you're better. So go go prove it again, like in in the house. Like and like I mean, if Brady want like this is one of those things, like if you want to be one of those quarterbacks to beat every team in the NFL, you have like Brady's mm. already done everything. Like that's the only thing he hasn't done. 
So like the pressure is supremely on him. I think Brady wants it more. And I think he is super petty and motivated by pettiness. Uh, I think I think he is like, we're not losing this game. No, we're not. It's not. It's not happening. Like we are winning this game. Like this is and maybe it's almost to a fault of where like this becomes their Super Bowl this year. Mm. Uh, at least I have it. Like, I mean, it could be earlier on the schedule. But in this case, I have it like late in the schedule. And like it's such like an emotional game that they kind of like lose focus of the bigger picture. Maybe not. But uh, I'd like to see that. So I'll just I'll say that's how it goes. But yeah, I mean, obviously, lots of juice for this game. It's great to know one of them will lose. One of Tom Brady or Bill, unless there's a tie, uh, one of them will lose. So I'm, I'm very happy about that. Uh, going to yet another, a third straight here, interconference matchup, Rams at Ravens. I just figured two good teams probably playing for playoff positioning. Uh, I think the Rams could be really exciting. I think the Ravens could be really exciting as well. It just, just seemed like a no-brainer to me. I could see that, but I could also see this being like a case of like, not that either of these teams are ridiculously overhyped. The Rams are certainly way more overhyped than the Ravens are. So in that sense, like this could be the Rams like teetering on the verge of like, are you truly an elite team? Are you just a normal good team? You know what I mean? And losing this game could like, maybe this, maybe losing this game opens the window for whether it's Seattle or San Francisco to win the NFC West. And it's like, well, what are you doing here? You didn't even win the NFC West again. Like was the, was the, the Stafford trade worth it? Blah, blah. Uh, but, uh, but like this, this is the last time they played was great, obviously. So, um, I'm mild. This is this is just like a few notches above Cardinals Vikings for me. It's 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 not that great. Of our AFC versus NFC matchups, this is probably you could argue the most realistic like Super Bowl preview that we would see from uh, from what we have on this list. So mm. and late in the season too, it could be interesting because then you're seeing it again potentially in a month or two. Which takes us to our final game, RJ, which is another one that was directly inspired by you which uh, you can you'll be able to tell once you get into uh, RJ's reasoning for this it's the bears at the vikings we're closing the closing the season with bears at vikings why i i mean i said what i did on monday football monday so i have to stand by it first of all but again we're operating here under the assumption that aaron rodgers is gone from the nfc north and i think in that sense the bears are the biggest winners within the division of the offseason the Detroit Lions passed on Justin Fields. The Minnesota Vikings, according to ESPN, were willing to take Justin Fields if he fell to them at 14 before they traded out with the Jets. The Bears obviously traded up to take him, so they not only landed him themselves, they took him away from their division rival in the Vikings. And so he is the like intersection of the whole division in a really fascinating way. Um, and so that's an important thing here. I do think at this point, like going back, I think the Vikings late in the season I don't think Kirk will be playing ridiculously poorly, but they'll be playing badly as a team. And so, I mean, this will be a situation where they, you know, are like, we need a quarterback change. We have to switch it up. We have to do something, whatever, blah, blah. And they do it. And maybe they start winning games and just get new energy, whatever. And so this is a game for the NFC North. It's Kellen Mond versus Justin Fields. Bears win it. They're division champions. And it was out there that the Vikings were prepared to take Justin Fields if he just so happened to fall to 14, I believe the Vikings were picking at, or wherever they're right. picking at there. So a uh, quarterback they potentially could have had versus a quarterback they forced and kind of committed the sin, RJ, of taking that day two quarterback that we don't love to see. Although I guess you kind of like it here. Well, then I don't know. You don't like it, though, because you like Kirk Cousins. So I don't know where you're at with this. Hey, look. Bears-Vikings, it's happening week 17. And this is the only game, by the way, that won't actually... 
our week 18 sorry but this is the only game because we'll see if any of these games are actually scheduled like in the particular week when the nfl announces it on wednesday but this is the only one that would not be because they save the final week of the season to be determined obviously entering that week so they get the best matchup on sunday night football Hmm. the one that has the most you know playoff level implications this will be that will be a lot better than this past season's final game of the season was just a nightmare when i saw that was flexed the eagles and washington playing for a meaningless nfc's title all right so that's our schedule that's our perfect schedule rj uh had some flaws but that's okay this doesn't really matter it's not a real schedule we're just trying to highlight some of the best games we thought tried to touch on a lot of teams there's probably but we did miss some of them uh unfortunately it's just kind of how it worked like i was trying to get you know as many teams in here as i could uh but just some teams like the raiders i just I didn't see the juice other than going with division games, but like, I, I don't want to just make this all about division games because that's obvious. Like anyone mm-hmm. can just say that there's nothing like what's there interesting to say about that if it's just division games. So uh, is there any omissions here maybe that you felt like bad about guilty about any, uh, any final thoughts on the schedule we have? My only thought uh, again, shout out to Monday football Monday. We ended talking about whether or not the NFL will put Cowboys chiefs on primetime this year. So that, is maybe a potential game we could have included here. I don't think that that will happen. I think that interconference games generally are fought for by their home networks, whether it's Fox or CBS. That game is going to be great, but I don't think it ends up like in prime time. I know that wasn't like a stipulation of ours, but I think we did miss that. And that's okay, you know, because we, we gave love to other teams. Um, maybe we could have done without Cardinals Vikings. You know, that's all I'm saying. But, sure. uh, you know, ultimately, how, how many, if I said the over under at three and a half, how many games do you think we nailed the week on that will actually happen? Uh, that's actually a good question. We can follow up. I'm going to say over. I'm going to say we're so skilled here that we just crushed it and we nailed it. And we can check that when the NFL schedule comes out this Wednesday, May 12th at 8 p.m. Big reveal. Obviously, we'll have coverage of it all here on the SB Nation NFL show. I'm sure you guys will do something fun uh, with the look ahead and whatnot. So I'll look forward to that. Oh, yeah. So um, everybody have a good day. See you next time. BLG is the oddcast. Have the last word. Go. Say something great. Something great.